Hello, and welcome to Pixelated Playground's 100th episode, featuring Clint Jones. What's up, nerds? <laughs> with Josh Galecki. Ayo. And I'm Brian Skersha. Today, we're doing something a little different. We'll be talking about all of our favorite experiences from recording the podcast and answering a few of your questions as we reminisce on our last 100 episodes of podcast recording. If this is your first episode, I'd recommend going back and listening to a pot or two of your favorite uh, games or something like that, because this is just going to be us talking about our first 100 episodes, reminiscing the good times, the bad, and all the games we played along the way. So if you're here still, thank you for being a listener. Thank you for supporting us. And uh, thank you, Josh and Clint, for uh, also being part of this enterprise that we have jointly endeavored upon. It has been a blast for me. How about yourselves? <laughs> I just can't believe we made it to 100 already. Like, that flew by so fast. When did we start putting out podcasts? Was it uh, 2019? Yeah, back in spring of 2019, I think. Um, and boy, where has the time gone? Um, I don't think any of us could have understood what was going to be coming down the road for all of us, uh, you know, between global pandemics, children, marriages, video game launches, uh, <laughs> ours and other people's. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's been a, a big period of change for all of us, and also um, I, I was in the same boat as you. Like, it'll be nice if we make it past the average podcast length of four episodes, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't. And yet here we are at number 100. So uh, <laughs> round, round of applause for all of us. <laughs> the internet hasn't deleted them all yet, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You know, I, I, I want to use this as an opportunity for us to not only sort of think back on, on the things we really liked about doing the podcast, but also sort of um, set the stage going forward, right? Um, we wanted to make this like a sort of a celebration, but also a, you know, let's answer some questions that have been long lingering. I know we don't necessarily put ourselves out there. Uh, we tend to be pretty private people. Um, and we're also, you know, generally pretty busy people. So we want to talk a bit about us, a bit about um, the podcast and, and what we liked, what we, uh, how we came to each other and it, and uh, maybe just talk about some of our favorite things that we have experienced as part of that process, yeah? Absolutely. So this didn't even start as a podcast we should all bring up. Um, yeah. <laughs> we were all doing this on our own long before we started recording it. So <laughs> that, that, That's a great point, Clint. So we, uh, you know, I, I think me and Josh uh, were talking video games at a bar and then simultaneously but separately, you and I were talking about video games at a bar. Um, and uh, one thing led to another and we eventually decided to start recording this. But not to make light of that, I think this is a much longer process because we were doing uh, basically a video game book club with the three of us non-recorded for at least a year before we decided to start podcasting, right? <laughs> yeah, I think we actually started, me and you, Brian, in 2016. Um, just, I, I was down visiting you for uh, New Year's Eve, I, I believe, and we got drunk one night during that weekend or another, and we started talking about Undertale and how great of a game that was. <laughs> Yeah. So this all started in your old basement. Yeah, yeah, my basement uh, over in uh, German Village. Yeah, um, I know that's where, where you and I started. And then, Clint, I remember talking about video games at a bar with you. And I remember, like, sort of, you know, we didn't know each other super well for a little while there. But then, eventually, as we became better friends, it was it was going from, like, yeah, I play uh, video games sometimes to, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm playing a lot of games and trying out a lot of new, maybe some of these indie games. And then, eventually, uh, we realized that we were both uh, sort of on the same wavelength with all this stuff and, and started to <laughs> talk a bit more and... and uh, eventually you became intrigued about this this book club idea, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I needed somebody to force me to play Dark Souls was the main reason. I was like, <laughs> I need, I, there are games that I just don't have the patience for that people really love and I want to know why, but I need somebody <laughs> to make me do it. So I was like, you know what? If you can make, I think that was the thing. I was like, if you'll make me play Dark Souls, I'll start doing this. That actually, <laughs> it actually took a while for us to get to that one, but we finally did it. I was going to say, mission accomplished after, oh, I don't know, something like, hold on, I got it, uh, episode 23. Um, so yeah, it, it took a bit. Um, you know, you, you stuck around for well over a year, just to or almost a year, just to accomplish that goal. So kudos to you. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, I never did enjoy Dark Souls. I, st I never did like that one. <laughs> However... Playing that made me play Sekiro, which I did like. So see, it kind of worked out into something cool there. Like Sekiro was great. I played that through a couple times over already. So 
you know, that's a great um, sort of throw to like one of the things that I thought we should talk about, which is um, what's a, you know, a game that we covered that maybe you wouldn't have come to otherwise. Cause I think that was part of the main thing for me uh, of doing this was to get me to branch out. Like, I think we all have fairly diverse tastes for, for three white guys, uh, from Ohio. We actually do like fairly broad, <laughs> broadly different <laughs> games. <laughs> so, um, to, to that end, uh, does anyone want to jump into that one first? Yeah, for me, uh, I think my all-time favorite uh, is Clint's suggestion to play Subnautica uh, back in, I don't know, 18 or 19 or something like that. Uh, That ended up being one of the favorite games I played that year, and it was one I've heard of and had passed on mentally in my mind already. So if Hmm. it were not for Clint, I would not have played that amazing experience. It's wild because that wasn't even a normal Clint pick. I was like, I'm branching out. Just being around you guys has made me branch out into other directions too. I felt like that was more <laughs> of a Brian pick. So, no, that was definitely your pick. But um, I, I also really like that game. Uh, for me, uh, what sticks out to me is Factorio. Um, that was a game that I would have never necessarily like jumped into myself because there's like it, it's intimidating as a game. It's definitely one of those. It's a management sim that has a pretty steep learning curve not a super steep learning curve as those games types of games go but it really brought me in back into a genre that i thought i had just passed on in my life like i could never get into one of these again because it just didn't fit into my life and uh you know you josh uh, asking me to play that game sort of forced me back into that genre and i am really glad <laughs> i did because i liked it <laughs> i think my biggest surprise was even one i picked but again i picked it because i thought you guys would like it uh was hades <laughs> Like, I, I do not like roguelikes at all. I know, Josh, you especially do. And Brian, you do quite a bit as well. But oh, yeah. I generally just don't at all. But I saw one. I'm like, maybe I could get into this one. And sure enough, love that game. So only did it because of the podcast. There's no way I would have done that on my own. <laughs> yeah. It's always nice to, to have that sort of impetus to play something outside your comfort zone. Like, I think that was something that... Um, that's something more people should find a, an outlet for. You know, I'm, I'm not saying like, uh, you know, necessarily always challenge yourself, but because uh, games are meant to be fun, right? But at the same time, I think you never know until you try. And, you know, always trying something once is, is kind of my motto, right? I think it really helps to have some friends to get these recommendations from as well, um, as opposed to like, you know, you can't trust any reviews you see on the internet these days, uh, mm. just because you don't know who's writing them or why or what that person, if they're a person, actually likes. Uh, but, you know, we got three friends here together, and we're it's a lot more meaningful, I think, when you get a recommendation from a person you know and hang out with all the time. Or even if I know I'm not going to like it, just being able to talk about it with you guys afterwards, be like, what worked for you? What didn't work for you? Because again, not to bring this up again, but holy shit, uh, Zelda, since that's happening this week too. <laughs> yeah, that's like, right. Evidently, I'm Mr. Contrarian and I didn't like that, but you guys loved it. And I, and I, even though I didn't like it, I wanted to hear from you guys what you did because it's such, it caught fire pretty much. I wanted to know what the other side of the perspective was. Well, and I think that the best thing about the, the, the way that we handle things like that is, um, you know, when we do have differing opinions like that is it's always, you know, it always stays respectful. But also, um, I, I feel that we're not afraid to put contradicting or contradicting point of views in the same exact podcast, because there's a lot of people that agree with you, Clint, like there's uh, a, a huge uh, vocal uh, group of folks that uh, want to see a little bit more of the traditional Zelda style there. And you're right, we are recording this in the, the week that uh, Tears of the Kingdom comes out. Maybe we could save some Tears of the Kingdom uh, conversation for later, because uh, it is uh, as of this recording, the 13th, and I have been playing, I already have thoughts, but I'm sure they're going to evolve from here. <laughs> um, we'll cover it probably, I'd imagine, eventually. I'm I'm just glad that, uh, you know, we do, to be perfectly frank, Clint, that we do have your point of view on that one, uh, specifically, uh, and, and a lot of other games that, you know, I think we all have different points of view, but I, I guess kind of I go along with everyone, generally speaking. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is probably, <laughs> probably a better way to put it. I guess I just have broader... Um, uh, a broader acceptable mm. palette than either of you this and is maybe. where brian says we're all narrow-minded and he's of course <laughs> big brain enlightened, big brain brian <laughs> uh the, enli- the enlightened gamer is how i prefer <laughs> man i remember we used to have a running gag about the uh brian vocabulary bingo card going on yes 
Well, it just so happens that uh, I can always find the things I like in games, and often they're the same things. <laughs> often they're dichotomies. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they may be diegetic in nature. Um. Now, to your <laughs> earlier point, Brian, though, I think that is something very valuable we have. It's kind of like a podcast. Is It's a conversation between three people talking about the games. Like, um, And we try to save like um, all the substantial conversation about a game for the podcast, too. So it's happening live as we do it. And uh, I remember we did Pokemon Arceus, me and Brian, a month or two ago. And um, I didn't like the game. Brian really loved the game. And by the end of the podcast, we had like swapped each other's views about it. <laughs> Yeah, I liked it less, and you liked it more. That's funny. <laughs> I do like how we all, yeah, we don't ever all agree. I don't think, I'm trying to remember, as we're having this conversation, a single game where we are all just completely on board with. Hey, you remember one? Uh, okay. Yeah, Hades is a good, <laughs> actually a good example of that. But that's also like, that was the game of the year, 2020, basically. Um, yeah, which is interesting. Um, think of another time that uh, a game by a studio of a couple dozen people max could have been game of the year. Uh, the year of COVID certainly makes sense for that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, lots of interesting stuff has happened as as we did this. But I think maybe we should rewind a little bit because um, I know we've talked about this in bits and parts across many, many podcasts and alluded to it. But we should really talk about how we all like met and came together to do this podcast. Um you know, I know we we mentioned uh, many times, Josh, you and I have known each other since basically kindergarten. Um, Clint, mm-hmm. you and I met right after college, uh, mutual friends. Josh and Clint, you guys met basically through me, right? <laughs> yep. Very much through the podcast. <laughs> I, I think it was slightly before the podcast. I think we had hung out, like uh, going out for drinks sometime in Columbus, uh, possibly even when you were still living in Columbus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But um, yeah, I'm... Uh, it was uh, sort of a wonderful little bit of serendipity, like realizing there were these folks in my life that were as passionate about this this hobby that I was suddenly becoming much more passionate about myself. And I was really happy to realize that. And I think it was you, Josh, who actually initially suggested, like, we're already doing this book club. And I had mentioned offhandedly that, like, yeah, some of these conversations are better than most of what I listened to because I was a big podcast <laughs> video game fan. And <laughs> um, I'm like, well, why don't we just record it? <laughs> I mean, I can't say for certain who suggested it. I do remember some beers being involved that night. I have been known to spout <laughs> off some ideas after a couple. So I will take partial credit, at least. It was certainly uh, a slight reach. Uh, you know, none of us had ever recorded so much as our own voices, uh, uh, hobby or otherwise. Well, you know, I think it's kind of funny you talk about how you were very into podcasts. Um, I was not and kind of continue not to be into podcasts uh people i know joke around how i'm like i have my podcast but i don't know what podcasts (laughs) are like in some ways that is kind of funny but i think i make up for the podcast listening for for you josh Uh, clint i know you're a podcast listener so you you have a feel for this type of thing too i do especially when i was traveling a lot for work i just found like if I could listen to a podcast and learn something in the three or four hour car ride, instead of listening to the same music I listen to every day anyway, like maybe that would be better. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I think that's one of the things that, you know, I, I actually was uh, always seeking out like something new or something novel from a podcast or video game podcast perspective. And like, um, I'd listen to a few like video game uh podcasts you know there's there's a ton there's literal a, a, literally a bajillion of video game roundtable podcasts there's a slightly smaller number of bajillion of video game book club podcasts but um to that end like uh i think everyone does take a different approach to that general thing and um you know i'm glad to sort of be able to lend my voice to that and you know uh, make someone's day a little better, you know, all the listeners that uh, do tune in. Um, I'm happy to help your commute out, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've actually never listened to another video game podcast ever. Mine are always like science and history stuff, stuff I don't know about. I want to learn something. So, Clint, stop it's... trying to better yourself. <laughs> yeah, oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pardon me for bettering myself. Um, so, I don't, so I don't know, I don't know how to compare it to anything else. Uh, I also listen to this after we're done. That's a, this is the only one I've ever listened to. <laughs> <laughs> well, for what it's worth, uh, I, I have a, a more broad scope of, of what's out, out there in terms of video game podcasts. And, um, you know, it is, uh, 
it's a crowded field, I'm not going to lie. So um, to everyone who is tuning in, uh, thank you for choosing us out of the literal thousands of options out there. But um, uh, at the end of the day, I think um, what you're going to gravitate towards is people who, you know, you like that or you like hearing about what they think and uh, you like hearing about what they cover. So I wanted to ask you guys, um, what game that we have covered now that we're at 100, you know, 100 games under our belt uh, from a recording perspective, did you enjoy covering the most? Uh, did you enjoy whether that's playing or talking about it? I think this is slightly different from like, what would you have uh, not done? I think this is just pure enjoyment. Like, what did you enjoy recording on? I'll go first. I think for me, God of War 2018. And I think, well, not only is it just an excellent game to begin with, but it's all about being a dad and, and that whole journey. And I was going through all that at the same time as I was about ready to have my, my son. So it was like a, I don't know, like weirdly lined up with things going on in my life. Kind of hit me on a deep level. That was a good one. It was a great one. And, and also, I one, enjoyed the game. Two, really enjoyed discussing it with you, Clint, and uh, would recommend folks go back to that one. It was a, a cool point, not only in like uh, Clint's life, but also you know a great game to, to hear more about. So if you played that game, check it out. And Josh, it's on PC now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I, I got a good gaming PC for a while during the podcast. I had a substandard like integrated graphics chip laptop, and that would, was what I would do all my gaming on. It's better these days. <laughs> I will say my favorite games to cover, though, are the ones that either Bride or Clint are super passionate about, like the Dark Souls and the Resident Evils and things like that. Uh, like Resident Evils, I don't like the games at all, but like um, seeing the other people's perspective and maybe being able to bring my own towards that. Um, uh, also, Dark Souls, I didn't like that either. Loved Elden Ring, but didn't like Dark Souls. But those ones were like, I, they're not games I get, but I get to like kind of share in people's uh, joy and appreciation of those games is a fun thing to do. And that I don't have to beat the games myself to do it either. I have a couple answers for this one. Um, I think Kentucky Route Zero might be the favorite one we did, just because there's such a rich vein there of things to talk about. Um, you know, it, it was a fantastic game from like a critical perspective, and then also like the soundscape of it is excellent. So I, as an editor, really enjoy that one. But um, I will, I will throw one out there that I enjoyed mixing more than I enjoyed playing the game, which is Eichenfell. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, a, a game that I struggled with mechanically, but uh, really enjoyed everything it was doing. Uh, audio-wise. And then the final one I'll, I'll mention it was one of my picks uh, that you came along with me for, Josh, which is Paradise Killer. Um, I think that has to be like the perfect marriage of like, it was an easy lift from a playing perspective. It was a joy to record and edit because uh, I'm obsessed with that game's soundtrack. And um, <laughs> it was uh, it was just, it's just a really fun little game. And uh, I, I hope, I'm really excited to see what that studio does next. It's, I don't think there's anything out there quite yet about that one, but maybe this year, we'll see. That is a game that's always going to kind of be burned into my memory as, um, you know, when uh, my firstborn son, Calvin, would be waking up uh, in the middle of the night <laughs> often, uh, and Juliana would go to nurse him. Like, I'd come along and provide some moral support, get him up, change him, uh, hand him off, and put him down when she was done and everything. And in the meantime, when she was feeding him, I had the switch. The switch has that wonderful hibernate function. You turn it on and off instantly. And I just chill out with some Paradise Killer at 2 o'clock in the morning and 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> and 4 o'clock in the morning and so on and so forth. So that is like that game and Donut County for me are very specific to a time and place. I can't think of a better game to play like in a deliriously tired state than Paradise Killer. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, but no, that, that's really fun. And um, to that end, like I, uh, I know there's a lot of games that we have all like associated with certain points in our lives uh, that we have throughout this. You know, um, we've had a lot of changes going on in the last four years of recording this. So I wanted to ask you guys like you know we've had a ton of marriages kids work other events anything that sticks out to you um either gaming or otherwise that you wanted to, to bring up about you know how things have changed for you over the years either how you approach gaming or life or or anything well it's been weird because all right all of us have become dads now twice according to 
Josh, we might all be double dad <laughs> duty here pretty soon. That's true. So, <laughs> so yeah, Brian and I are already, already in the shit, and you're about to be in it. So, yeah, there's a lot less time to play games. But then we also had COVID, which was the flip of that. Like, now we have a ton of gaming time. And now we've got kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just flips back and forth. Yeah, it, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it was certainly an interesting time to start a podcast, you know, with all of us, like, suddenly realizing that... Um, you know, we, we embarked on this literally as like, I feel like life was on easy mode. You know, we were all uh, either married or about to be married. No kids, you know, dual income, no kid life is, is pretty chill. Um. <laughs> I, I, I wake up every Saturday wondering, what did I used to do? Because that would be just one Saturday. I would never wish my kids away, but just one Saturday. I just wonder what, what would I even do anymore? Like, what, what was I doing? <laughs> it, it's a great point. And I think... Um, Josh's point about the uh, suspend and resume function on the Switch is one that I want to actually mention now because I, I'm revisiting my Switch in a big way with the release of Tears of the Kingdom. And um, holy shit, like, uh, I, I think I literally need this on every console going forward. I know PlayStation 5 does it too extremely well. I know, you know all, all the modern consoles do it, but I need PCs to do this, like, right now. Um, because <laughs> I, I literally cannot play a game without the immediate suspend resume option. <laughs> well, as a, I guess as an extension of the PC being able to do it better, the Steam Deck could really, you know, benefit mm. from something like that too. I, I know it, it does it in some small ways, but I think we all it, Steam it doesn't do it as well. We do. we do, yeah. We're all Steam Deckers. Yeah. I feel like the suspend resume is the most important technological innovation of the last twenty years. <laughs> it is for parents. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think maybe one other thing that I want to um, bring up here that's worth mentioning is all of us are playing games that we're not necessarily recording for the podcast. So one thing that I wanted to to ask you guys is what game do you want to uh, talk about or what game have you played the most that we have not covered yet? Because uh, I know we all have that game. <laughs> See, this was an interesting thing for me because I feel like time played is not necessarily a measure of quality spent. Like I remember we did a uh, Europa Universalis cast, uh, EU4 mm -hmm. specifically. True. And I think that one is coming out soon um, in the editing works. It won't be out before this, but it will be out shortly after this comes out. <laughs> so like that is the game far and away that i've put the most time into in my life i think my steam hours are close to 900 hours in that game yet wow and i don't think i'd put that game in my top 30 so it's it's more of like it's a slow burn for you is what you're saying like it is a a continuous enjoyable pastime but it's not something that has a big immediate impact or something you can point to and say that was the moment when this became one of my favorite games of all time yeah, I think so. Like, there, it definitely is a game that um, clicks with me very well, apparently. Uh, but it's not something I'd put out there. It's kind of like an exemplar of here's what video games can do. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, if we went based off my off time played in Steam, I was looking at it today when we were talking about favorite game. I'm like, I didn't even know how I would classify my favorite game. Um, <laughs> but my most played game ever is Payday 2. We've never talked about that one. That That's like a... What I really like about it, it, it wasn't a time and place. I mean, it's been over the course of a decade, and they keep putting out free DLC like constantly. I don't know how they afford to do it. Maybe they'll go under. I hope not. Like, I hope they do well. But somehow they keep putting out free DLC for a game that's been out for 10 years. And that's just been like an awesome co-op experience with friends. But we've never we've never dived into that. Yeah, but we have played it together. Um, yeah, so we, once, I think, right? A few times. Uh, yeah, few times, we, we had yeah. a few sessions. Yeah, because uh, I remember you you had a friend um, that it came Luke, actually, I think shepherded through us or shepherded oh, yeah. us through several of the more difficult missions. Uh, thank you, Luke, if you're listening. Um. He's quite good at that game. <laughs> Way better than me. He, I mean, when he and I would play together, he would have the whole plan mapped out and then I would be the idiot that would set the alarm off. Like, well, <laughs> screw it. I guess we're doing this live. <laughs> Clint likes going in loud. Yeah. Whoops. Well, that and then you were the guy who was basically, uh, you know, uh, in most cases, shepherding us, and we were the idiots uh, tripping the alarm. I like how there's uh, games like that where you can have uh, cascading levels of Sherpa-ness. Uh, Josh, you're <laughs> often my Sherpa for, for uh, either roguelikes or grand strategy games, as, as the case may be. But um, 
I will, I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring here with uh, the game that I played the most of that we didn't cover, and I'm going to throw back to my immediate pandemic obsession, Persona 5, which as soon as the pandemic hit, I threw about 120 hours into it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't expect us to ever cover that because um, now that we're all parents or double parents, um, there's no fucking way we're going to get a 120-hour RPG out of any of us. I don't know. We're about to do Red Dead 2 here in a couple, so I don't know. I, I spent over 100 hours with that one. That's true. Uh, yeah, P.S. Look forward to the Red Dead Redemption 2 cast coming out uh, quickly. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I hear you on that, and I wonder if, like, now that we've had all these changes in our lives, if we feel like our, our ability to cover stuff is going to change. Um, I guess personally, I would say yes, obviously. But at the same time, like, we've never really adhered to a strict schedule, so I feel like there's a slow burn game that we are playing over the course of a long time. We're still going to, like, gather up our thoughts and do some big games here or there. It just might not be as frequent as some of the smaller, more accessible titles, yeah? That's kind of how we've been doing it for a while now, and we've always had the, like, let's put out one episode a month, but we just play enough games that it turns out, hey, here's a bonus episode every month so we end up putting out two a month but it's like (laughs) our bare minimum what we're trying to get out to you guys is at least one per month yeah that was the remit a monthly book club podcast and um we we've been able to keep up the the two month two a month cadence you know so far so good you know at least thanks thanks mostly to indie games and small titles but those big titles like red dead i to be fair, I think Brian and I both played that when it came out forever ago, and Josh is the one who's now playing that. I don't know if I'd have time to play that right now. <laughs> That's for sure. And and Josh, you you you've really been putting in the work. Um, as I, I have seen, you're you're gonna finish this. Josh Josh is gonna have a full oh, experience to report on with nice. us. Nice, because <laughs> I did not want to spoil that at all. Like when when I heard maybe you weren't gonna finish, I was like, oh no, you have to see the ending. <laughs> So, so you know, we don't want to burn too much cast right here. But for me, I think the first, uh, loved the first act in the mountains, but the second act dragged so much for me. Um, I couldn't see what was going, but I am three missions into the second epilogue right now. So I'm probably only Ooh, an hour right. or two away from finishing this up. Cool. I'm really excited then, to talk about this one with y'all. <laughs> then we can't spoil it. Excellent. Yep, we'll cut that one off right here and move on. Um, <laughs> we've all obviously played a lot of games in our lives, but each of us should name one game that is our mm. favorite game of all time. Do you have one? Gun to my head. I'll throw out Undertale. Loved what the game did. Did. Like, I, it had a really cool mechanic about kind of proximity and uh, kind of like the bullet hell of an RPG where you're moving yourself around during the battle. Uh, but that was good. That would have been enjoyable. It was enjoyable when you do your normal run through it. But then when you go through a um, pacifist run and then maybe a genocide run as well, that's when the game really kind of subverts expectations um, kind of plays around with the conventions of a game in ways that I've seen few others do it. Like, um, I did the pacifist run, Brian, I know you did one too. I started a genocide run, and the game was so good with its writing and characterization that I stopped because I felt too bad about killing Papyrus. I'm like, I'm a <laughs> terrible person, and I feel terrible, and I should stop this. So I did. And I've never seen another game convince me to stop playing it so effectively. Toby Fox is uh, brilliant. Um, Undertale is obviously one of my top games of all time. Um, I, I th- I, There's so many games that I could list in, in my top games of all, all time here, but I think like recency bias I caveated heavily right here. <clears throat> I think Elden Ring might be my top game at this point. Um, I believe it. There's... Yeah, there's there's just so much there that works for me. Like, obviously, I was the, probably the biggest fan of ours of uh, Breath of the Wild and also the biggest fan of ours of Dark Souls. And um, I think this melds the open world and soulsiness of those two uh, different properties in such a perfect way. It sands off some of the more prescriptive and harsh elements of the Dark Souls games and just lets you do your thing. It's still tough, but it gives you lots of latitude to take your own approach with it. Um, and I love the ability to sort of be creative with an approach to solving a problem. And that problem is usually uh, a giant or a dragon or some other ridiculously difficult foe. But I'm here for all the stuff that um, Elden Ring is doing from 
a theming and style and structure perspective. So it is kind of just the, the perfect game for me right now. Although I did just start he- Tears of the Kingdom, so um, I reserve the right to change my mind here in about a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that yours was Elden Ring. Um, <laughs> I could never pick one. Like, and, and all time is just a crazy thing to do because, like, I don't know, every point in life has you know, something else going on, different things to bring different meanings. One game that has like uh, consistently been with me that I keep playing over and over almost yearly is Dead Space. Like ever since the original came out, like I, I, I play it every year around Halloween. This year when the remake came out, I played the old one and the new one. Still love it. Like I've never played a game so many times and still been so into it. So that game's huge for me. I, I think we're talking about games that like hit me on an emotional level though. Uh, God of War. I hate to bring it up again, but that one just, I don't know, it clicked. Time and place. If, there, if there's a game that's worth mentioning multiple times for multiple reasons, that is a good one. <laughs> now, Clint, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, you were playing God of War be- right before Carson was born. Is that right? Yeah, we actually recorded it and released it on the day he was born. Yeah, there's a message Oof. to Carson I- embedded in that podcast. So yep. <laughs> I feel like that's one of those things, like... um. We talk about how sort of like gaming has changed and everything, but we've changed too in those years. Like those things about parenting and children, which are more common in video games these days than they were in the 90s, let's say, easily. Um, Because, you know, developers are growing up. People are being fans of video games and trying to bring their experiences into that. Parenting is a fairly common experience. Like, um, but as a consumer, as a player of these games, uh, it as the as the kids say, hits different these days. Yeah, and we get a lot of them. Like, obviously, another really big one right now would be Last of Us. I feel like that hit those kind of same things too. Although people like that's a new thing. No, that game came out in what twenty thirteen. Like that game's been out a long time. Like dad games have have really been coming into their own, but they they've been creeping in for a while now. And I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, we need the mom game. Bring the mom game. Um, <laughs> but at, at any point, um, I think it's it's worth mentioning that like th- there are games that I feel like hit harder now than they did before. And I think you're absolutely right, Clint, that Last of Us is, is definitely one of them. And Last of Us seems to be having like a moment right now with uh, the HBO show, of course. And um, now I'm on the clock is ticking for me to play Last of Us 2 before the next season comes out. So look forward to that, uh, listening audience. I will be playing The Last of Us 2 sometime in the next year. <laughs> it's going to be the next divisive episode. The one <laughs> like that. For some reason, the, the internet cannot agree on that game at all. I loved it, but that's just me. I have divorced myself from the uh, conversation on that one because I don't want to be spoiled on it. Because I do like Good idea. G- genuinely think that the, the story beats of those Last of Us games are worth experiencing fresh. And um, so I'll be I'll be coming in as blind as you can in the year 2023. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Curious question. Are they doing a PC release of Last of Us 2? I'm sure they will. Um, They will, but not by the time the episode (laughs) comes out. (laughs) Maybe we lead back in with... uh, quick question from uh, one of our listeners, uh, Caleb Howard on Twitter, uh, came out to us and said, what made us uh, decide to start a podcast in the first place? And uh, I think to me, the quick answer to this is we were already doing this offline for a little while. And um, <laughs> as we said before, um, one, one of you two suggested, you know, if, if it's as good as what you're listening to on podcasts anyway why don't we put it out into the world yeah you know josh you and i've had creative endeavors in the past clint i think you were looking to broaden your horizons with a new skill and new games as well uh that was kind of my recollection what about you guys yeah i don't even remember who recommended it but we just randomly decided to start recording just to see what would happen i don't think we had any idea that we would even get past a couple episodes we're like ah let's just see what this is (laughs) or or if anyone would listen to it (laughs) And I guess, and I guess they do. So we keep doing it. I think that's one of our 
maybe strengths too is we're very focused on keeping this a hobby explicitly like we're not trying to monetize this or grow our viewership or play a game because it's the hot thing to play right now we play what we want to play and would likely play anyways um which keeps us very fun for us but I think there could be like two kind of questions behind there. Like, why did you decide to start a podcast? But also, why did you decide to start talking about video games like this? Hmm. That's a good point, because we do sometimes cover games pretty contemporaneously with when they're released. And that is because those are the games we're playing and we're excited about. And um, for those out there that are wondering, hey, what are these guys playing next? And what's the schedule so I can play them? I'm sorry, we are just extremely unpredictable in that regard because uh, see earlier answers to questions. We all have children and families and work and jobs in life, and this is extremely just a hobby for us. <laughs> yeah, we even used to have a part on our website where we'd be like, this is what we're playing right now. And I think according to, actually, if I look at the website right now, I'm probably still playing something from 2018. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler, not still playing that. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I think that's something that, you know, I in a perfect world, we would all have the time and bandwidth to be like, yeah, here's our schedule. Here's definitely what we're playing here in the next few months. Here's when those episodes are going to come out. And I'm sorry, that's just not the reality of how we were able to do this. Um, sometimes we have long burn projects that we don't know when they're going to come out. It'll, it'll be like a three month span. And then others were like, you know, um, we can play something like a Donut County in the span of a couple weeks, record it in another week and put it out the following week. You know, um, it's just that's how it works. You know, the workflow is not consistent. It is wholly dependent on our lives, which uh, are unpredictable. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I will give Josh kudos here. I just checked the website. His games are up to date. So if you want to play what Josh is playing, his seem to be accurate. <laughs> Brian's is maybe minus six months. And I am talking about games that came out in February of 22. So don't look at mine. <laughs> Clint's talking about games that came out before we started podcasting. <laughs> yeah, this Tetris is great, guys. You know, I, I would be interested to hear, though, if, if folks out there um, are wanting to get a better beat on what is coming up or what's being played, at least, um, as long as you don't count on uh, these things being out at any particular time, we can we can post that onto Twitter or something like that. So uh, send us an email or uh, send us a, a, a tweet on, on the old Twitter, as long as it still exists by the time this uh, comes out. <laughs> or, you know, even if something like, oh, we finished editing the game and we know when it's coming down the line on the um, on the release list, we could probably pop that out somewhere. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. We, t- we, we tend to backlog stuff because... Um, uh, you know, vacations or time off or, you know, there are certain times where we all play a lot of games and then there are times where we stay fallow for a solid few months. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Brian's new word for the day. Fallow. Fallow. If you're, if you're following along at home. <laughs> Hit your bingo card up right now. <laughs> Well, yeah, hopefully that answers your question, Caleb, and uh, to everyone else out there listening. Um, we'll, we'll try and be as communicative as we can, but also, no, we're, we're doing our best here. Life's busy. Um, speaking of busyness and life, uh, a lot of stuff has happened in the video game industry, and we uh, have kind of just kind of been along for the ride. Let's talk about some of the like broader industry trends that are happening here. And, and from my perspective, the big theme of since we've started this podcast is industry consolidation. Xbox eating all the studios, acquisitions, mergers. Um, what do you guys think has been like one of the larger trends that you have seen uh, that has affected how we either approach games or are receiving games? The release of more egregiously unfinished games. That's been a huge thing for the last, at least the last two years. I feel like it's always been a thing, right? Back in the day, you bought the cartridge. That was the game. Like, that was it. It is cool that, you know, developers can, like, update things as things go on. That's a nice thing. But now they're, like, depending on it. What If you buy day one, good God, you don't even know what you're going to get anymore. And it kind of sucks because it's just become, like, status quo. And I wish that would start going back a little bit. There's been a couple things for me. Um, One of the maybe non-obvious sort of things is the rise of the game streamer 
uh, off of Twitch or something else, um, where it's kind of, in a lot of ways, replaced the press, the game's press, as a traditional, like, get the word out sort of thing. And I think that has a lot of subtle effects. I think um, games are starting to be designed more around streaming or playing towards those capabilities rather than, like, here's a kind of finished product you have right there. Or maybe not necessarily uh, going along with what Clint's saying, but I think I have seen more games kind of play towards that streamer audience there. Yeah, that, I think that's especially true in the indie space. Um, just because, like, that is a fantastic marketing outlet for for uh, indie uh, developers. Um, for me, I think the major thing that has stuck out to me is the fact that AAA games have reached this point where they have become unsustainable to get to a larger point than they reached in about 2018. Um, I think this has become abundantly clear to me, having replayed Red Dead Redemption 2 recently, and I will not burn too much cast on this because I, I have a lot to say during that particular discussion, but it feels like we kind of hit a wall where nothing short of massive exploitation yields a greater fidelity than what we see in that particular game. Um, and I don't know necessarily what that means for the industry more broadly until we find some way to enhance this through a purely technological means. I don't really feel great about the idea of games trying to continue down the path that Red Dead Redemption 2, you know, forged with pure manpower because it's only going to end in sadness. Yeah, scope, fidelity, you name it. Like Maybe less scope world. and maybe more scale. Scale is a good way to put it, Josh. Um, but I guess maybe what I'm getting at is here we're probably going to see more gains by focusing on team development on, you know, team development in terms of seniority synergies with regards to previous titles the studio has released and perhaps longevity within the studio. You know, institutional knowledge is a thing and it really helps, especially in the development space. I think you see that a lot with Nintendo. Like, yes. uh, take a look at Tears of the Kingdom working on hardware that the team has been working on since... When did the Switch come out? 15, 16 or 17. so? Se- 17? Okay, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, it's it's old, long in the tooth at this point in terms of the council life cycle. Uh, but I feel like I haven't played it yet or checked it out at all, but I'm sure Tears of the Kingdom is kind of wringing every little bit of juice out of that hardware. And even the design of the game is probably like baked into those assumptions about the hardware. Oh, for sure, yeah. Be- being early on and in it, I can say it's astounding what they're doing with it, but at the same time, it is showing its age. However, you know, as someone who's not necessarily like a frame rate counter or um, necessarily big on like the graphical fidelity of things, I could say that's not affecting my experience too much. However, you know, it's really tough like going back and forth between that and, and even Red Dead because you can see <laughs> you can see the difference on the screen, you know? That is not a fair... Okay, I'm, I'm going to point something out here. That was made on PS4, by the way. That was not a PS5 game. Yeah. That game somehow existed on a PS4. But did and it exist well? Yes, yes, it did. Okay. It worked... It works spectacularly, and I, I think if you hold any game to that lens, it's gonna <clears throat> suffer. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of like, I I know of games that have that high of quality, but not in the same scope as Red Dead had. Like, not to bring it up again, but God of God of War had that fidelity, but it was a more focused experience. Yeah, to we do that broadly, I don't know. I'm I'm totally in agreement with you, but I, I need to put a moratorium on Red Dead discussion because I know we're gonna have to we're gonna record a podcast on that in short order. To your point about the technology, um, kind of like where I see the trend going right now. You know, now's the last two years have been a crazy time for AI. Um, I've been trying to keep tabs on it. I can't keep tabs on it. You know, it's just happening too fast. Um, but I will say that for a triple A game, something like three quarters of the staff size is art and asset creation. Um, and if you can get AI fidelity, like AI generation efforts to be good enough then that's going to enable larger scale with 
smaller studios um which you know on one hand that is to say that there'll be artist jobs that don't exist in the future but on the other hand it is also to say that you know people who are double a studios or uh triple i studios or whatnot will be able to create worlds like red dead perhaps in another five years on a much smaller budget uh so it's it's kind of interesting times to be living in i'm not saying it's an unallayed good um but it is it is it's there and it's going to stay there and it's going to be used by game studios in the future one thing that kind of makes me excited about and just like immediately thinking about this like maybe you don't use the ai to um build your main character models right because that that's something you see all the time and up close, but like imagine a game like Hitman when you're in a crowd of a thousand people, but it's really only the same 10 people, you know, copied and pasted around with different outfits, right? You, you, you start to see it and it kind of brings you out of it. And AI could easily take low assets like that and just have an infinite, like it can make an infinite number of people. No problem. Mm. Like it just changes the sliders around and it creates a bunch of unique people. I don't know. I think that would be an awesome application for things like that. There's going to be a real explosion of asset quality, I think, once... I don't know if you guys have heard of this thing called photogrammetry before. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong because I've only ever read the word. Um, But what this idea is, is you take a photograph of something and the computer vision module, AI, what have you, it creates 3D objects from a single photograph. Um, there is some crazy stuff going on with this. And I I even remember seeing a stable diffusion demo last year, which, you know, is eons ago in AI time these days. Um, <laughs> but last year they would uh, fill the missing textures, like the invisible spaces on the thing with something that made sense. It would still have to be directed by an artist, by a person, but it was a much quicker workflow. So I think that we'll see... Like, oh, you need some more desert rocks? Well, you know, we have so many, de- we have millions of desert rocks <laughs> out in the actual desert. We'll just snap <laughs> some pictures and very quickly have very realistic looking and varied assets out in our worlds. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that, but also kind of scared of it. Um, <laughs> you should be. You should be. Um, to that end, there's a lot of scary things that have already happened. And Josh, um, one topic that I know you you wanted to talk a little bit about was the indie apocalypse that happened over the course of the late teens and early uh, 2020s. Um, maybe enlighten me a bit, because honestly, like you put this in here, but I, I need to hear more as someone who's lived in this space. Kind of 2007, late 2010s or so, uh, maybe 17 through 19 or so, uh, but just where there has been an explosion of games coming out on Steam. You're talking about the, the pure volume perspective. Yeah, like uh, I have my own, uh, you know, small studio kind of thing going on, indie dev and all that. Um, but the day I released Moondrop, I remember, hey, I got in an article by... Um, uh pc pc gamer magazine maybe maybe their website or something like that i forget the exact press um but i got in an article and it was 10 games you don't want to miss on steam today and it was like the top <laughs> 10 list of games that came out that day which means there were a lot more coming out that day i think it's not unusual for there to be 20 to 40 games every day on steam yeah, it was a PC gamer. I just checked it. And yeah, that that is funny cuz usually it's it's this week, but you're right. It's uh today. Today. <laughs> <laughs> so That's incredible. <laughs> what I think a lot of this comes from is the uh engines have gotten so much better. Uh, from when I first started doing gaming. Like I started off doing X and A, which I love Microsoft for. Um it was such a great gaming fit framework and everything, but it required a lot more know-how than putting something together in Unity or Unreal. Uh, and that's a lot of props to Unity and Unreal for taking a complex problem and making it much more tractable. But the issue, uh, not issue, um, the result of that is that there are a lot more people putting out games because of that. And I think with the AI stuff that's happening, you're just going to see more and more of that in the future. That's a really good point. And, you know, uh, I like 
how you mentioned like the pure volume of things that are being released on Steam, and that immediately makes me think about the iOS App Store and what a volume hog that is in terms of video game releases. I am one of the few people who believes that there is a place for really like good, high quality mobile games in the market still. So I will always seek out like the premium iOS mobile games um, and try them out at least. And uh, I know neither of you guys are in there, which is uh, why we probably haven't covered very many of them unless they're cross-platform. But that is something that continues to interest me and I will continue to seek out. Uh, But to your point, Josh, it's just so hard to sort through all of that shit. Um, There is literally no good way to find uh, and surface good iOS games these days. Like there used to be Touch Arcade. Touch Arcade has, you know, been reduced to a shadow of its former self. And um, unfortunately, it's just not very easy to like sort through the deluge that is like the, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of apps that are released every day from a gaming perspective. I think part of that is kind of like your marketplace curses you in a way to expectations of the audience and whatnot. Like the um, the mobile gaming market is much more famous for being like, why do I have to pay money for anything over here? Which is why free-to-play gaming, quote-unquote, um, has such a broad reach on mobile marketing. Like even... um. Didn't Nintendo make a Mario game for the iOS and they had to go from charging $10 to it to being sort of like a um, free-to-play microtransaction-based sort of thing because everyone hated that they had to pay $10 for a game on the phone. That's correct. Yeah, so Super Mario Run rather was released a while back and, and as you said, it had some ups and downs with, in terms of its monetization strategy. Um, I don't know the whole story. I, I, um, it was a long time ago. I can't recall it fully. But to your point, like um, some of these legacy publishers adapting to the mobile marketplace has certainly been an interesting thing to watch. Like Nintendo seems to have sort of, sort of figured out what it's doing with regards to that. Um, now that they have like Fire Emblem Heroes, which is basically a gotcha game, um, that seems to where seems to be where most of the big players have settled. Um, make it free to play, but make it a gotcha mechanic thing. Um, see Genshin Impact <laughs> <laughs> or Marvel Snap. I'm playing that when I even know they're doing it to me. I'm like, I know the psychology of why you're doing this to me. But yeah, I, I'll okay. Yeah, I'll still keep playing. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, to be frank, like, as long as you're going in with eyes wide open and, like, you don't have an addictive personality or gambling problem, um, you can get a good time out of games like that. But I think the problem there is, like, you know, you get a good time out of the same way you do cigarettes. Like, it's good until it becomes a problem. Um, and there's always going to be people for whom it does. And those are the people, unfortunately, that those businesses rely on. <laughs> the whales, yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a very double-edged sword there, because I do feel like there's interesting gameplay ideas in that area. But at the same time, like I cannot divorce that from the idea that it's also inherently taking advantage of people. Uh, since we do have 100 episodes behind us, uh, maybe we think a little bit about what the next 100 looks like. Um, for each of you guys, you know, and, and myself, I want to think a little bit about what kind of game we want to talk about. Josh, you know, I, I know we had a, a history before we even started recording these uh, games we maybe want to revisit. So let's all, like, throw out a game that we may want to play in the future or one we want to revisit from our past. I've got a couple, uh, maybe from different eras of the Nintendo life cycle, Uh, but I'd love to cover Earthbound, the quirky JRPG um, Super Nintendo game that I loved as a kid uh, and continue. I I don't know, it just has a really fun sense of humor. Uh, The other one I think I would like to cover is Super Mario Sunshine because that is, I think, my favorite Mario game. Uh, But that's also, I don't know, I was younger when I played it, I had more free time. Would it hold up? I want to put it to the challenge. Uh, For me, if if I had to pick a a retro game to play, I I need the internet to know that I do not hate Zelda games. I feel like I'm being (laughs) mischaracterized by this podcast. (laughs) 
was, I'm a huge Zelda fan. I would love if we went back and played like Ocarina of Time because I remember that being such a big part of my life when I was a kid. That's a good answer because I, I also wouldn't mind revisiting that just to see like some of the evolution of the series over time or Majora's Mask for that matter. That was a game that like I remember fondly but also very vaguely. Um, to me, uh, I want to revisit one that Josh, you and I talked about back in the day is Planescape Torment. Um, I remember we stayed up late into the night discussing that game and uh, what can change the nature of man. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I think like I may have a different perspective on that now, and I'm almost glad that we didn't have a recording of that particular conversation <laughs> at the time. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I'm willing to revisit it. That, um, Firewatch by Campo Santo, the now defunct studio that brought us such gems as Firewatch. And uh, most of them went on to do Half-Life Alex, And then finally, Pyre is one that I want to throw out there because uh, we did at one point talk about that game in a book club capacity, but a Supergiant is just like, I, I will play everything that studio puts out from here until the end of time because they have built up goodwill with me with every consecutive game they have put out. Uh, they can't really do wrong in my book to this point. I think if I had to pick a forward-thinking game, since we were talking about those two, Josh, the new uh, Star Wars Jedi games. I oh, love those. Yeah. I, I loved, mm. I mean, I, I'm talking like Jedi Academy, I guess, when I, Kyle Katarn and all that stuff. Back, back yeah, on like man. Windows 95, whatever. Uh, those games were awesome. But these new ones, I feel like, are like a comeback to like actually good Star Wars games again. So I'm going to jump right on these. Yeah, I'm going to jump right on that bandwagon with you, Clint. Fallen, Jedi Fallen Order was good, and as I understand, Jedi Survivor is great. So I am really looking forward to playing that game. Um, I'm probably going to wait a little bit for it to get some patches and performance improvements, but uh, whether I end up playing it on PS5 or PC, I am definitely going to be playing that at some point this year, and uh, we should talk about that one because I think that'll be one that we should we should hit up. I'd be in for that too. But speaking of patches and performance updates, uh, do you guys think that Cyberpunk has reached <laughs> the point where it's good now? It was just on sale on Steam, and I had to go look at this <laughs> on the internet, not even two weeks ago. Like, is Cyberpunk worth it in 2023? And everybody basically says, like, technically they fixed the bugs, but it, they never fixed the soul of the game, which was always just, like, the skeleton of the game was broken. It wasn't what they had promised. Maybe it's good for some people, but it's I maybe the hype train hit it too hard but they did it to themselves i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna go with clint on this one and say like as i understand uh cyberpunk and and from what i played which is to say i played a good chunk of it in late 2022 so i i have a relatively recent experience with it um i think it is a competent open world game but it didn't really grab me um so i'd be willing to revisit it just to see the story through but uh i might actually wait until it gets like a really solid green light on PC because then like maybe the modding community could help out what the studio itself has been unable to deliver perhaps. I just remember one of my key moments trying to play this game and I also played about, t I've started it three times once I got about 10-12 hours in so I've seen a decent chunk. I know that's not big enough to see everything with a game that big but we were having a serious moment where some people had just been killed in front of us and all I noticed that the guy that was beside me driving, when he was taking turns, his hands would stay straight. And it's all I could think about the entire time. I'm like, <laughs> I can't get over the fact that your hands aren't moving when you're turning the car. And I, I just I, I like just lost. I couldn't go any further. I couldn't suspend my disbelief. Clint, telepathic cars in the future. Oh, God, yeah, just... exactly. It's just jacked into his brain, yo. Um, the guy's just cosplaying <laughs> as a 20th century driver. He's like, oh, oh, yeah. Is this what we do? Ooh. <laughs> Look at me driving. <laughs> I I'm kind of with you though. Like I I'm I'm not sure about that one. I've heard lots of things about the old cyberpunk redemption arc. But speaking of games with redemption arcs, though, um, No Man's Sky is a game that I know we have consistently had on our radar as something to talk about, and I already have like 50 hours in it through three different versions and five different playthroughs. So I, <laughs> I feel like we, I need to cash yeah. in on that at some point. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up because those two get, when this conversation is had about redemption arcs, it's always no man's sky and it's always cyberpunk. I'm sure I don't want to shit on cyberpunk. It just, 
it didn't turn into the game that people thought it would be, but they definitely stuck with it a lot longer than most game studios would have, which kudos to them. They're, yeah, they're true. fighting they're, to make it work. They're so. doing their best, yeah. One shout-out I do want to give is to Brian as the editor, the fearless <laughs> editor for all the podcasts we've had since, I think, episode, like, five or six or so. I think Something I did the yep, first yeah. few of them. Um, I did the first couple, and I'm like, no. No time for this. So, <laughs> so I feel like it's not something publicized, but I feel like I just show up and talk about games that I play and enjoy playing. And Brian does all the hard work. The reason why Brian sounds like the smartest among us is because he's the one making the edits so he can make this work his way. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, that's part of the perk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, uh, I appreciate that. Um, no, it's, it's something I, I kind of always wanted to learn and figure out, but um, I'm happy to do it. So I guess that's what, what matters. And with that... Um, we're not going to do a three-word review of our own podcast, but perhaps we can each say a few words about what it's like to, you know, have had this experience and, uh, you know, what we hope for it. I, I think for me, the, the biggest thing, and obviously this is what we talked about when we kicked this off, Brian, it was I want to play games that I wouldn't play by myself or that I wouldn't have come to by myself because, you know, branching out and all that. And getting to see some of those experiences through your guys' eyes and see things I never would have seen on my own, that's been really great. Especially, like, Brian, the other day when you were talking about, like, how you never would have played Resident Evil had I not brought it up. Well, I certainly wouldn't have played Roguelikes without you guys, and I never would have played Dark Souls. So, I mean, yeah, I think this has been a huge success, and if we can keep doing that and enjoying things from other people's perspectives and getting to see new things that we wouldn't on our own, that that's a win for me. Totally agree. For myself, like, I love the, I guess the talking shop about video games aspect of that, like really drilling down. Um, I think one of our original descriptions for the podcast was uh, taking one video game a month, tying it to a chair and beating the answers out of it. Uh, <laughs> it was a fun, you know, fun way to look at like, what was this game trying to do and everything. But I also really appreciate this kind of like social aspect, like just getting to hang out with you guys on a regular basis has been really enjoyable really fulfilling and here's to at least another hundred episodes of this i love it yeah i I would have to agree with you guys like when we set out to do this i never expected to reach a hundred episodes i'm you know especially once we started having kids i had no idea that we would be able to (laughs) to keep it up regardless of all that but i'm really happy uh the way it's gone so far and you know aside from allowing me to stay in touch with you both which is the biggest benefit on its own uh, I'm learning a lot about myself, my taste in games. It's a great creative outlet, um, and it's given me an opportunity to practice speaking extemporaneously, which is obviously very good for a variety of things, you know, my career, etc. And uh, being able to defend your point of view is an important thing in this day and age. So, you know, we can joke about the fact that this is like uh, just some bullshit video game thing that we do in our spare time, but it's enriching to me and uh i have you guys to thank for that and obviously all the listeners out there uh if we can use this to brighten someone's day make someone's commute or day job easier uh so much the better so thank you to you guys thank you to everyone out there and cheers to you guys cheers (laughs) so uh with that i want to say thanks for listening if you enjoyed this podcast feel free to share it with folks you think might enjoy it as well and if you want to get in touch, drop us a note at pixelatedplaygrounds at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at pixelplaypod. And for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Galecki. And I'm Clint Jones. Take care and keep on listening. Favorite council, like console in general. So we're discounting Ever? we're discounting PC out of this, obviously. Then, if you really want to, just give me like a decade era where you bought that PC. Hmm. So you can't um, take like PC from you know 1980 to now. <laughs> Forever. Hmm. 
Oh boy, I need to think about this for a minute. I was gonna say PS4, man. That I don't know. They had like Sony had like a renaissance during their PS4 era. Like I feel like that was a seven-year period where like they got so many good things out there. Like the story-driven, like story-driven game flourished on that console. I don't know. That was a good one for me. All right, I got it. I got the next one. Uh, for my my answer is the Nintendo Switch uh, because the Nintendo Switch was. Uh, the first thing outside of the PC that made me buy games for the purpose of that platform. Uh, there were games that I always was thinking, I need this to come to Switch. Um, <laughs> and usually it did, because that console sold gangbusters, and a lot of people ported a lot of things to it. And I would always buy them there, because that was my preferred platform. There was just so many things that lined up perfectly there. The suspend-resume function, the portability, form factor. I'm not a huge, like person for like the highest possible fidelity like it was just it is continues to be like my preferred place to play most games for myself i'll go with the gamecube i think that was like a little nintendo renaissance and i don't know if it's the most popular opinion but i of their franchise games mario mario kart metroid Mm -hmm. Uh, Smash Bros. Even mm. uh, yeah. I feel like the best versions came out on GameCube. Zelda, Wind Waker, Wind Waker. We should favorite. play Wind Waker as a as a group. Even though you uh, were hating on uh, Resident Evil as a series, its best iteration probably came. What people would argue is one of its best iterations came out of GameCube as well. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Resident Evil Four. Re- Resident Evil Four GameCube is held up as the the version. I don't say that anymore, which you'll hear on the next podcast. On the next episode of Pixelated Playground. Clint's next hot take. Yeah, we're, we're going to get a bad review on that one, too. It's like, that asshole said that the new Resident Evil 4 is better than the old one. It is. No, no, no. No, no, no. I, well, I, Clint, okay. if I've learned anything from the last decade, it's that hatred and outrage only fuels. It only makes you stronger. That's right. <laughs>